Well, hello there, everybody. This is It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast. I'm your host, John Hanson, and this is episode 52, Pilsen's Ultra Marathoner on a Mission. Really quick, we want your voicemails for an upcoming episode. It's all about Chicago's neighborhood gems. So that can be whatever you want it to be. It can be a bar, a restaurant, uh, your favorite shop your favorite park to hang out in, really anything you want, whatever you consider a neighborhood gem. We want to hear about it. So call 312-772-5756 and you'll leave us a voicemail like a minute or two long. Say your name, what neighborhood you're in, and then tell us about your neighborhood gem, why you love it. And we're going to play some of those on a future episode. All right, let's get to episode 52. But I always believe like every person in this world, we have a talent. The important to find our own talents or our own golden so we can sharpen and make everything bright. It's part of our, part of our journey, it's part of our work. While most of Chicago is sleeping at four in the morning, Edna Jacqueline Vasquez Nunez is running. That's no surprise. She's been running seemingly nonstop for 25 years. She's an ultra marathon runner. The Monterey, Mexico native moved to Chicago in the middle of her running journey, which has taken her all over the world. In 2016, she became the first Mexican-American to complete the Four Deserts Ultra Marathon Series. It's a set of four 250-kilometer races in seven days in some of the world's most grueling deserts. She's got a book out, she's got a gym in Pilsen, and she chatted with Madison Saavedra for a story that made me tired just reading it. Madison, thanks for joining us. When did this journey get started for Edna? So she told me she ran her first ultra marathon when she was 17 in her you know, hometown of Monterey, Mexico. And one of my aunts invited me to run 24 hours. 24 hours of run. I was 17 years old and I never thought, what is the meaning run 24 hours? For me, the maximum 10K, which is six miles. But not more than that. She just said that once she started, you know, once she started running, once she saw what her body was capable of, that it could run incredible distances for these incredible long periods of time, she was like, why would I stop? I thought like, well, you know, this is something different that I never hear. What is it about the running that she enjoys? What about the running motivates her? You know, I think... She likes the dedication um, and, you know, the, the drive and the passion. And I cry and I yell, if I want to do this, I don't want this anymore in my life. Why do I have to do this over and over and over and over? And every year I say no more and every year I back again. And I back stronger and I back wisely because I know myself more. And the consistency, you know, she was telling me that it's just part of her routine is part of her everyday life. It's her escape from, you know, what she does during the day, which is, you know, own and run a gym in Pilsen. And I think there's just something so satisfying about setting out for such a, you know, big goal and then meeting it. The fear paralyzed or the fear pushes you to explore your limits, no? But I just keep, you know, challenging and, 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 and reaching what I want more and and what else I want to discover and explore day by day by day. I just got to know, how the heck does one build up the endurance to run for so long? And, you know, she started off with not as intense races and definitely built up, in, you know, intensity. 
um, throughout her running career so far. So I think it's just the challenge. I, th I think she's just one of those people who is just so special and so strong. Yeah, for sure. And like, you got to have the right mentality to do these races. Part of my personality, uh, these mechanisms always push me to explore and adventure and, and see what else, what is over there after, after I get close this feeling. I keep doing, asking, chasing more and more and more. So she lived in Monterrey, Mexico until the mid-2000s and then emigrated to Chicago, settled in here. Although I, I can't imagine it's an easy place to find 100 miles to run at. So what's her training regimen like now that she's in Chicago? You know, she told me that she kind of started transitioning away from running as much on pavement and moving more into like trail running, which is, I believe, typically where ultra marathons are held just because it's better for your joints and um, you probably can't sh shut down a city for a hundred mile race it's already yeah. such a pain for 26 miles let alone 100 and besides the training i know it was hard for her to find a community of ultra marathon runners here in chicago especially in 2005 right before social media she'd have to go to the internet cafe which seems like a different generation from now i guess it is technically and she had to find other runners online and slowly build up her community here who then showed her new places to train and new places to race uh, they introduced to me the ultramarathons in Wisconsin, get on Moraine, which is in the trail of Ice Age Trail, many races that they provide per year here in, in, uh, in Indiana, in Michigan, in Ohio. So little by little, my, my challenge here in the Midwest, they were growing. And knowing that it was possible to continue and doing what I really love to do, which is an ultramarathon. I uh, can't even believe it's not only just finding these ultramarathon races, but it's also like checking off deserts off the list to run in. Yeah, that, that was crazy. So, yeah, she... It was back in 2016 that she became the first Mexican-American to complete the four deserts, like, racing challenge. And then the fourth desert is consists and run 155 miles per desert. So I have the opportunity to run in Atacama, Chile, then later on in Mongolia, part of the Gobi. And then I was part of the uh, Sahara, and we ended in Namibia. And later on, I completed the serial in Antarctica. I, I think I probably got taught that at some point, that there was a desert in Antarctica. Oh, boy. It is something that requests a lot of work, and it requests, it's hard, it's, yes. But I do love that she took, you know, all that she's done, and she, she, I think that she feels that she kind of has a, a special talent, and I would certainly agree with that. She's a very humble person, but I still think she acknowledges that she has this talent, and that's kind of what motivated her to write a book, right? Yes, she wanted to be able to share her story and inspire others, you know. If you have you know, a lot of knowledge or if you have a lot golden in yourself, what is the meaning to have it if you don't share it? In order to grow as a human, we also need to uh, share it. In order to, to scale, in order to, to transcend, you know, how we transcend in life also is part of sharing your knowledge and your experience. I think coming from, you know, an immigrant background and she didn't come from a family of athletes and she wanted to show people that they can dream big and they can make it happen if they if they set their mind to it. Yeah, the English version of the book is just out now, The Races of My Life. 
and, and she writes in it that uh, she, she said she had to write it all, which is right. Someone in my society, in my community, has to read the story just for the intention that's seen that it's possible to reach anything in life. And I feel like she's talked about in the book and, and also when we chatted about races that were hard. Because, right, I wanted to ask, like, have you ever come close to not finishing a race? And she says, yes, of course, like it's not easy for her. This is hard. And the perseverance through it is is more than just the race. It, it's kind of a, a microcosm of life. Yeah, it's definitely it could be mental. I remember when she was telling me about the four races, um, part of the four deserts series, you know, she like lost her backpack during one of the races. You know, she like lost all her stuff in another one of the races. They had to run through sandstorms. Mm. Um you know, extreme heat running. Um, if you've ever, you know, tried to run uphill in sand, you know, it's one step, yeah. two, two steps, steps back. Yes, exactly. So just things like that. I mean, it really makes you like, you can't not have those skills transfer into your everyday life, you know, like dedication and perseverance. So she was recently in a race in Ohio, this one kind of completing a a series of four Midwest races of like a hundred miles each or something crazy like that. And at mile 90 out of a hundred, she hit a wall. And it was a day that was raining and raining and raining. I slept, I fall twice. And when you run in a hundred miles and you fall, it's every day is, it's like beating, you beat it yourself more and more and more and more. I'm done with this. I just, I can't stick with this. And I just get out from the trail and I just sit down and in the highway with a friend who has faced me. And I can't imagine it's easy, right? Four races, you're doing the last one, you're 10 miles away, which to me sounds like a ton of distance, but for her, it's just 10 more miles left. And here she is, she's off the trail. She's soaking wet. She's sitting on the on, on a road. I don't know how someone kind of, I don't know how you get back on your feet after that. Just give me five minutes, man. I'm so tired. I just want to leave. And then she said, and then it's a car, man. You got to move. But I was so tired, super fatigued, hungry. I did not have any energy. But the last part of the race is up the hill. So my legs, it was super sore. And then I just focus. I feel everything at the same time. Fatigue, vomit, hungry, tired. And then I just keep running. And even if you're not a runner, I think there's something we can all relate to with that, especially over the last couple of years. What makes me, after almost 25 years running ultramarathon, is it is true, man. It's, you know, when people, they say, hey, broken the limits and stuff like that. It is true. You get in a point where you just click your brain and then you connect your body, your soul with the goal. Y vámonos. You have clear and then go for man. From life perspective, life is like that, man. When we are just struggle like a hell, like I can do this. Like, one day in our life is, you know, it's over and I gotta move. And her gym is a way to give that gift, give that dedication to others, right? Yeah, she said that. You know, she opened the gym to promote healthy living for others. She told me that she thinks her mission in life is to help other li others live their, you know, most healthy, you know, vibrant lives. And that's exactly what Viva Healthy is. The gym is so, it's so colorful 
and so bouncy and just Edna herself is such a motivational person she's got so much energy so I can only imagine how much fun it is to be in some of her like boxing classes or or hit workouts yeah and even opening a gym right before the pandemic starting I mean talk talk about terrible timing I mean there's a lot of lessons she takes from running that trail that applies to running her business we come from very difficult part in our not just in our life and entire world where uh, this experience, which I'm talking about that COVID, uh, it teach us be a better person. Like if you don't get it, then you don't get it. You know, it just, just have to make some arrangements, make sure that all the gears, they, they have to be in place so we can live it better. And I think this, this part in our, in the history of the humanity, it's a time for reflection and it's a time to say, you know, we made it. We are so blessed. It's our life. And we, we might just be responsible for who we are and, and pushing day by day and enjoy and have fun. I was exhausted just reading your story, Madison. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great one though. Thanks for sharing it with us. Yes, of course. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me. Edna's gym is Vive Health Sport and Nutrition at 965 West 18th Street in the Pilsen neighborhood. Her book is The Races of My Life, available wherever you find your favorite books. If we want them to live in the, in, in, in the best, you know, in the best shape of our life, we want to have fun, we want to live. So when we have this goal, this mission, everything moves forward day by day by day, like a running, in my humble opinion. <laughs> hey, did you know we have a TV show? That's right. On the Block airs Thursday nights on the U at 7 p.m. and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on CW26. It features reporters that you hear on the podcast. It features great stories, and it's all told on TV, and it's a very unique show. It's done way different than you picture TV local news. It's a cool way to do it, and uh, it really gets in-depth in certain stories, and uh, where else can you hear about the cool neighborhood quirks that you read about on Block Club Chicago? So tune in tonight. That's if you're listening on a Thursday when the podcast launches. It's at 7 p.m. on The U and Saturday mornings. 10 a.m. CW 26. And by the way, we not only have, of course, the website, the podcast here, the TV show, but we're on the radio too. Every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings, our editors join the Bob Surratt show on WGN Radio. And here was the report from this Wednesday with Seamus Toomey. Seamus Toomey is with us from Block Club Chicago. Let's talk about this uh, Bally Temporary Casino at Medina Temple. Good morning, Seamus. Hey, good morning, Bob. Yes, uh, we've all heard about the, uh, the the Bally's Casino that's slated to come to the uh, Chicago Tribune printing plant um, in, a, in a couple years. That's got some more approvals to go through, but Bally's gets to open up a temporary casino while they're hammering away at the printing plant. And uh, they've chosen the Medina Temple, which uh, if folks have gone through River North, they know it's one of the one of the prettier buildings down there. It's a landmark building. It's got beautiful stained glass. 
Um, uh, Bloomingdale's was the last one to use it. Um, they renovated it in 2003, but it's been vacant for a while. So um, why not turn it into a casino for a couple of years? Uh, that's uh, they presented. Bally's presented the plans yesterday to the neighborhood. Um, they can't mess with the outside other than hanging a few Bally signs on it. But they're going to renovate the inside, turn it into a um, uh, from a Bloomingdale's into a temporary casino. And they're allowed to open it for uh, two, maybe three years by state law. Uh, it can be temporary. Then they got to get out and move to their new site. But they think that's enough time to, to, to keep the slot machines and the tables going and make the city about $50 million a year while they're in River North. Use the money. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Sam Royko, uh, Mike Royko's son, and what he's up to. Right. So, yeah, there's going to be you're going to uh, hear a familiar name over the next uh, year or so or, or maybe more. Um, Mike Royko's uh, son, Sam Royko, he's a lawyer in the Westtown neighborhood who's gotten really politically active in the past year or so. He announced yesterday he's going to run for uh, for alderman, wants to join the, a city council that his father uh, had quite uh, strong disdain for on, on some days. But um, you know, Sam said his father, who, who passed away in 1997, the longtime Pulitzer Prize winning columnist at, uh, at the papers in Chicago, he said, you know, my dad was a big advocate for people. That's what the column was all about, advocating for regular Chicagoans. So that's what Sam Royko wants to do. Um, he's running against um, uh, the first uh, freshman alderman named Daniel Laspada and probably a handful of other people. So uh, we'll keep an eye on him. He got involved in politics a couple years ago when his girlfriend got carjacked, and um, and uh, he, you know, he started really pushing for more security and better uh, police response for it, and that kind of steamrolled into yesterday's announcement that he uh, wants to be an alderman. Yeah, it'll be interesting there in Westtown in the First Ward. Seamus Toomey, more at blockclubchicago.org. Thank you, Seamus. Have a good day. Thanks, Bob. Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Friday mornings, typically it's after the 7 a.m. news report, so it's like 7.09, 7.10 a.m. on WGN Radio, 7.20 a.m. on your dial. Go to WGNRadio.com, and you can listen everywhere. And that'll just about do it for Episode 52. We would love for you to rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. And uh, we would just love for you to pass the word on about all that we do. You go to blockclipschicago.org for more information about these stories. Become a, a donate to the website. You can also subscribe to all the newsletters there as well. Okay, we'll drop another pod on you soon. Take care.